Hello and welcome to the Homeless World Cup podcast. I'm Adam Wilson. I'm Mariana Mercado. I'm Paul Highland. Join us as we discuss homelessness, the unifying power of sport, and look at what goes into making the Homeless World Cup tournament possible. It's that community that surrounds the sport um, and the relationships and the humanization of it uh, that really make the big impacts in life off the pitch. That was Reed Fox, program manager at Street Soccer USA. Street Soccer USA was established in Charlotte, North Carolina in 2004 by brothers Lawrence and Rob Kahn. Since then, it's grown to help over 15,000 children and adults in 14 cities around the country. Continuing our spotlight on our street football partners, in this episode we speak to Reed about the organization's development, their theory of change, Ladies First initiative, and their innovative response to the lockdown. So Reed, um, could you first tell us how Street Soccer USA started? Sure, yeah. Um, We were founded in Charlotte, North Carolina um, by a pair of brothers, Lawrence and Rob Can. Um, This was, you know, almost 15 years ago now. Um, And Lawrence and Rob had been soccer players their whole lives. And they realized when they were young, their family's house actually burned down. And they realized that so much of the support and community that was surrounding their soccer team were the people who were helping them get through that problem. And so they realized the impact that uh, soccer or football, as most of you say it, um, could have on on people's lives. And so they started a small program at a soup kitchen in Charlotte uh, about 15 years ago. And then it just blossomed and Lawrence took it to New York about 10 years ago. And then Rob, his brother, took it out to San Fran. And then we've grown uh, from just serving, you know, a few dozen adults to over 15,000 kids and adults from ages five to 90 wow. um, and in, in 14 cities around the country. So it's been a, a huge growth and it's been really amazing to see. Yeah, it kind of, uh, sorry, Adam, it, it just kind of uh, brings on to the question of uh, why actually you think football is so important and impactful in tackling these kind of issues. Yeah, I think uh, this is something we talk about a lot, of course, and a lot of it, I hesitate to say the power of sport, um, because I think it's more about the community and the relationships that surround that sport. So whether you use music or art, we just choose to use soccer because it's so accessible and widely enjoyed and easy to play. Um, But it's that community that surrounds the sport um, and the relationships and the humanization of it. Uh, that really make the big impacts in life off the pitch. And you, you just talked about uh, s- some of the, uh, the growth that the organization has gone through since its inception. But in, in your opinion, what were some major milestones in Street Soccer USA's history? <clears throat> well, you know, I've been involved in various capacities for about a decade since I was in high school. Um, I used to volunteer in the, in the New York homeless shelter at the street soccer program um, just when they were getting started and and there was not you know much happening and then I think some of the biggest ones were you know we host an annual tournament in the very middle of Times Square which is you know one of the iconic locations of the world Um, and to (laughs) to see one of our street soccer courts and teams paying a lot of money to play in there and our homeless guys playing there and um that started seven or eight years ago, and, 
and to see that, I think it kind of was like, wow, if, if we can pull off a tournament in the middle of Times Square, then, you know, what can't we do? Exactly. I, I imagine that doesn't get old, seeing that. <laughs> it doesn't get old, but uh, during the tournament, I'd say it can get a little old because <laughs> we put together, a, you know, it's 36 hours straight. We build the court right at midnight. <sighs> the day before that, we pack up the courts. And from midnight till 8 a.m., we build them. Then the tournament runs 12 hours. Then we break them down and set them back up the next day in, in the neighborhoods they came from. So it's a massive production, but it's wow. an incredible event and raises a ton of awareness and funds and gives our players a really unique experience as well. And how many people are involved in that? Just a, a ballpark estimate. In terms of participants or staff? Uh, staff and participants. Yeah, so... Uh, it's about 10 of our full-time staff plus about 40 to 50 volunteers and then participants it's between three to 500 depending on on the year and that includes corporate teams who pay to play and sponsor our programming and that includes our youth participants from different neighborhoods across the city for a youth tournament and also our adult homeless and, and rehab and refugee participants who, who play. Wow. And uh, speaking of numbers, you mentioned previous the amount of cities you're in. I think it's it's 17. Is that correct? Right now, it's it's 14. It's 14. And um, and how do you manage with... how do you manage such a wide reaching organization? Really good question. So uh, we've grown kind of you know almost faster than than we can uh, sustain, and so we're working with Deloitte at the moment to um, figure out a more sustainable way to expand and start new programs because right now um, the demand for our program greatly outweighs the supply that we can provide. And, you know, if we're going to start a program, we want to do it the right way um, and have the right resources behind it. So um, we're working on a national fundraising campaign. We're calling raising our game to develop a more robust capacity in our national office. So we'll, we're able to um, better serve new communities around the country. So um, some of our cities, we have seven hub cities where we have a full-time staff member and they're supported by part-time coaches and site managers and volunteers. And then um, several of our other cities are run fully by volunteers. Just getting back to the core of Street Soccer USA, um, you're theory of change emphasizes creating safe space sorry safe places to play what are these and why are they so important yeah so one thing that makes our organization unique is the street soccer courts that we can build in basically any location where you have a vacant space that it'll fit so we've turned empty parking lots with dumpsters into a beautiful street soccer court um, where kids can have a safe place to play in a neighborhood that really lacks those spaces. So we're only working in, you know, the most underserved, low-income neighborhoods of, of cities. Uh, and so these parks can transform any unsafe, any old, unused location into you know, a beautiful place where uh, kids can have fun and be safe and grow. 
what is what benefit does uh, it might be an obvious question but what benefit does having a safe space to play for these kids for these participants in general why is that so important for them yeah kids and adults uh the same it's mostly it's about building relationships um and having you know a positive role model who cares about them and is consistent and is our first street soccer skill is showing up so they know that this time, this day, every week, this person is going to be there for them. And that's something that, you know, a large majority of the people we work with have never had in their lives or haven't had often. Um, and so just having that stable, positive space where they know they can go and be themselves and, and have somebody to look up to, I think it's, it's huge. Your, Reed, your um, website mentions the progressive life and job readiness skills that you um aim to impart with your program how successful has that been yeah totally so you know we connect 75 percent of our adult participants um to education employment or housing within a year of them joining our program so um it's it's effective and it, it depends on the person you know everybody's on their own trajectory it's some people will come through our program take the skills we teach them use the connections we make for them and have a job and, and be working and be out of the shelter in three months. Some will be three years. Some, you know, you never really know. Uh, it's different for each person. So yeah. Uh, as long as we can provide them the opportunity and keep pushing them and work on their goal setting off the pitch, you know, that's all we can do. How important is that uh, almost bespoke approach to each individual who comes through you? Yeah, we like to say that we meet people where they are. So we're not trying to force one specific way, one strict rigid system that they need to follow step by step. Um, we know that everybody has unique life circumstances and is at a different point in their life. So we work with people on a very individual one-on-one -on -one basis and sorting goals and figuring out, you know, how can we best help this person? It's going to be different for everybody. So we do a lot of one-on-one -on -one goal setting, setting, you know, three, six, nine-month goals, um, and and really plotting a positive life course. I'm just going to go through some of these eight uh, life and job readiness skills. Um, so the first two are show up, play with heart. I think those are pretty self-explanatory. The third one is look up. Could you explain that? Yeah. So these. You know, we've these are kind of the basis of what we do, um, these street soccer skills. And look up, I think you can take a, a lot of ways. For us, it's being confident in yourself, you know, always having your head up and believing, you know, that, that you can do things. And also staying positive, I think, is a big thing, especially with the players who we're working with and their circumstances. It's very easy to get negative and you're surrounded by negativity a lot of the time. So mm -hmm. looking up, being confident, being positive, um, controlling your emotions, uh, things like that, I think all fall under that, that look up skill that we talk about. And the fourth is take the space. Um, and then the fifth, build your triangle. I assume that's making connections, uh, socializing. Totally. Yeah. Taking the space is looking for opportunities, setting goals, and taking them, you know, building your triangle is knowing where your support is, who your right. support is, and and um, embracing that support and giving and also receiving support. 
praise great play that's important of course you know make sure everyone's involved and is getting the praise they deserve play the plan and adjust the plan what are those yeah play the plan and adjust your play um so you know we talk a lot about goal setting at street soccer and having a plan and and that's what play the plan is you know coming up with a strategy and sticking to the strategy so setting a goal and then realizing the steps that it takes to reach that goal right um and then working on each of those steps to get to that goal so playing that plan and then the final one adjust your play so obviously life is going to throw you curveballs at times and things are not always straightforward so how are you going to react when you know a wrench is thrown at you and uh, you need to adjust your plan to get to that goal that you set. Um, and so being, you know, willing to change and willing to learn on the fly um, is huge. Do you find that, of course, every person is different, but do you find that when you explain these skills to new participants, is it met with uh, sort of a roll of the eyes or is it met with enthusiasm or how, how do you find it? <laughs> uh, you know, I've done this on and off for 10 years in different capacities. And so I've met all types of people coming through the program and mm -hmm. uh, it, it's unique. Some groups you'll get and they love it and they'll talk about them for 30 minutes before and after practice. Some groups will say, oh, you know, pissed off, Rita, I don't care about this shit. Sorry <laughs> for the language, you know, but no uh, you know, it's, and then everything in between that. Um, so all, all our players are different and some take to it more than others, but um, what's important is that we're consistent with it. You've mentioned it a couple of times already, but the Street Soccer USA park model, uh, you, you mentioned how you develop parks, single courts, uh, and it's all based around this model that you have now, and it's specifically for low-income areas. Is this something you're trying to export to other organizations to follow suit, or is this just for you? We're not actively seeking out other organizations to use our parks. All the mm -hmm. parks that we build are open to the public when we're not running programming. So we want that neighborhood and other groups in that neighborhood to use that space whenever we're not running programming. So it's a real resource for, for those communities, you know? Um, and so we're, we're very open in that way. Uh Reed, can you tell us about your Ladies First initiative? Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, I think with all these organizations internationally that work with the Homeless World Cup, getting ladies out is a problem. And you can see that in the number of teams that participate in the Homeless World Cup. I think it's always almost three times more men's teams than, than women's teams. And there are several reasons for that. Um, but Mainly, so what we're trying to do with Ladies First, we're trying to reach at least 35% participation nationally, um, being girls and women. Uh, how are we doing that? We found that one of the best ways is just to hire female coaches. Um, and we found that, you know, sometimes our coaching staff was pretty heavily male. Um, and so we've made a real effort to uh, hire more female coaches and also to offer um, female only sessions so a lot of times girls and women will be turned off by the fact that they have to play with the boys or the guys and so offering them safe uh female only 
sessions we found is another good way to increase participation. So those are just a couple of other efforts we're making to, to really increase our, our female participation. And have you found that it's uh, it's had a strong take up? Yeah, it's certainly, it's not something that happens overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you implement the practices, uh, then over time, the numbers will steadily grow. And that's definitely what we've seen so far. And is that still just you're aiming? Because when I read on your website, uh, it says you're. Did you say thirty five percent just now? Yes, at the moment, yeah. that's what we're setting for. And is that only for the six to eight year old uh, squads, or is that f- uh, on the whole? That's across the age group across the country. That's nationally as a as an organization. So we talked about it at the start, but social isolation, it's coming into effect all over the world. And you launched Street Soccer USA TV, uh, which is putting out soccer-related content, drills, challenges. Uh, if there's anything else I've missed, please let me know. But how successful has it been? Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, we're trying to do everything we can to get as much content and resources for our participants, our supporters, our volunteers, our coaches, um, all over the country. And right now, you know, with everybody having to quarantine and and stay inside, uh, we thought that was a good way to do it. And also to give our staff some some creativity and and to have some fun with it. Um, We've had some of our celebrity ambassadors get involved. Um, We had Jimmy Conrad, who's a former U.S. national team player and one of our ambassadors, take over our Instagram for a bit. We had a NYCFC uh, Brad Stoyer and a uh, professional goalkeeper take over the other day. Um, and so we're trying to get them more involved and we're trying to have fun with it, but also, you know, deliver content and, and resources for our participants. And it is sad because uh, the Homeless World Cup tournament allows uh, teams like yourselves to to get a spotlight on them. And now that's, I mean, it's been hampered a bit by the COVID-19 epidemic and it's it's great seeing uh, uh t- and organizations like yourselves putting stuff out there even though the tournament isn't happening and getting that spotlight on you yeah totally you know we were very disappointed that the tournament had to be canceled of course we understand it um and we had already selected our teams too which is a bit of a bummer for those uh-huh. players but we're hoping that they'll be able to take part in next year's tournament wherever that happens course course. um reed you guys were also at the um six nations homeless (laughs) soccer tournament that was um hosted by street soccer northern ireland recently how did you guys get on i love those guys over there and the (laughs) women too at street soccer northern ireland they're such a fun group uh you know and i hosted their board in new york um uh, you know last year which was great and made some connections for them and really got on well with them and they needed a a women's team in their six nations cup um and so we took a team of our women from the south side of chicago um who are in a really low income high violence area um and we went over and they just had a great time most of them had never been out of the country before and um the Northern Irish were great. All the other teams who were there were great, and they had so much fun. I think we we finished third out of four, but who really cares, you know? Exactly. It's all about the experience. <clears throat> totally. 
And uh, I suppose finally, from my end, what does the future hold for um, Street Soccer USA? We're really hoping to continue to expand our reach. You know, we want to be in 25, 30, 40, 50 cities around the country. And the way that we've grown so far, um, we don't really see a reason why we can't make that happen. You've had quite a meteoric growth so far, so I wouldn't see why not. We're hoping so, fellas. Of course. Well, Reed, uh, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been a great conversation. Yeah, thank you very much, Reed. No doubt. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, just a reminder to watch our social media streams because we have a lot of exciting stuff planned for the next few weeks, including Homeless World Cup Day on July 5th. I can't give too much away, but if you're itching for some sport content, we may have something for you. On the day, you'll be able to access compelling stories from around the world and join in on some fun challenges. All you need to do is join our virtual stadium by going to homelessworldcup.org and filling in the sign-up form. It's free. We need your help to have a greater impact around the world, and you can do this by signing up and donating if you feel like it. You can go to homelessworldcup.org forward slash donations. Or search for Homeless World Cup Foundation in Just Giving. Email us at podcast at homelessworldcup.org with things you'd like to hear discussed or get in touch with us on social media. If you enjoyed it, please give us a rating of five stars on iTunes or give us a share online. This podcast is brought to you by the Homeless World Cup Foundation, presented by Paul Highland, Adam Wilson and Mariana Mercado. Produced by Adam Wilson and Paul Highland.